everybody, and welcome to episode 515 of the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not-so-classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I'm talking about Monster Kid Radio. My name is Derek M. Cook, your humble writer, host, and producer, and I'd like to welcome to the show for the very first time the surf band Girl Over Planet. They are a band based out of, and I've been practicing, I hope I get this right, Yekaterinburg, Russia. The song is called Mod Monster Mania, and you can get this song on their album Intergalactic Cowboys and Space Wind Surfers. You can find them at girloverplanetsurf.bandcamp.com or just follow the links in the show notes when you're done listening to this episode of Monster Kid Radio. Of course, you'll get to hear this song in its entirety at the end of this episode. But before we get to the end, we've got all this great stuff packed into episode 515 for you. We have got... Kenny's look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. We've got Mark Matsky's Beta Capsule Review, where we are finally getting into some Ultraman proper. And we have another installment of Atomic Tales. That's all happening first. This week, we have Ron Adams on the show. If you don't know the name Ron Adams, well, let me tell you who he is. The man. That's all I need to know. No, okay, Ron Adams is actually the person who runs Monster Bash, the premier convention for us monster kids. The convention that I look forward to most. The convention that didn't have an opportunity to run last year and won't be running this year either. However, they are doing something. Ron has cooked up something. He got with his fellow mad scientists at Monster Bash headquarters or whatever it is they call it. And they came up with a plan. There is a Monster Bash event happening this summer. Now, I'm not going to be able to go. But after you're done listening to Ron talk about it, you're going to want to go. So stay tuned for that. Ron and I talk about what's happening with Monster Bash this time around and how you can support Monster Bash and why Monster Bash is, well, important. And Really, it, it really is. It's a big part of the Monster Kid community. Whether you've been there or not, and if you haven't been there, you really need to get there, but whether you've been there or not, a lot of what happens in Monster Kid fandom is influenced by what happens at Monster Bash. Whether it's from fellow podcasters and myself being there, whether it's from movies making their world premiere there, just there's a lot that goes on at Monster Bash. It's a very important part of my Monster Kid fandom. I try to cover it extensively here on the show every year. I've really missed it. And it is so encouraging to talk to Ron and hear his enthusiasm for all things Bash, even though they've had to really change not just their convention, but how they do their business because of how 2020 panned out and how 2021 is starting out. So, you know, Ron... I think I said it repeatedly to you during the conversation, but you're important to the community, man, and you mean a lot. So thank you. And thank you for taking the time to record with me. I'm going to peel back the monster curtain just a little bit more. Here's the deal. I'm in Oregon. Ron is in the other part of the country. There are three hours between us, and we're trying to set up a time to record. Well, Ron gets up really early because he spent a big part of his career doing radio stuff and he would get up really early in the morning to get on the radio do radio business which means he is up and running at his office at 4 30 a.m his time normally that would be way too early for me to get up to catch him to do a recording however that's only 1 30 in the morning out here and i'm a night owl 
I stay up probably later than is healthy. So I stay up super late. He gets up super early. We were managed to pass each other like ships in the night, except there was really no passing. We just kind of stopped and called each other and talked about monsters for about an hour. So thank you, Ron, once again for doing that, for being part of Monster Kid Radio's legacy at this point. It's a great time. And hopefully this conversation lives up to the hype. So you're going to hear all of that. You're going to hear Mark, Kenny. You're going to hear Christopher R. Mim and Stephen D. Sullivan's Atomic Tales. You're going to hear from our advertisers who really helped make the show run, like Stephen D. Sullivan or author J.I. Greco. You're going to hear all of that right after this. I am Dr. Lee Cushing. Welcome to my Chamber of Horrors. Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors is a serialized monster rally novel in the tradition of the classic Universal and Hammer horror films. It's written by Stephen D. Sullivan, the award-winning author of White Zombie, Daikaiju Attack, Manos, The Hands of Fate, and the original chill role-playing game. My goal is to recreate the thrills of the monster versus monster films that we all love. We'll have vampires, werewolves, mummies, psychic twins, and scheming madmen. And that's just in the first storyline. Now you can get Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors and other monster stories sent directly to your email for as little as a dollar a month. For just two dollars, you'll get all the chapters in advance, plus bonus stories and other perks. Sign up now at CushingHorrors.com or visit SDSullivan.com for a Patreon link. I do hope you've enjoyed your visit. Please come again and remember, the chamber is always waiting for its next victim. Nothing can stop it. The Blob. Starring Steve McQueen. It creeps. It crawls. It's slithery. It's slimy. The Blob. Plus Dinosaurus, both in shrieking color. S.O.S. San Francisco calling. Monster has attacked. It came from beneath the sea. Golden Gate Bridge ripped from towers. Rush no atomic weapons or whole west coast is doomed. See Columbia Pictures' spectacular and terrifying... It came from beneath the sea. The mountain was majestic under a cold, crisp blue dawn sky and three feet of pristine virgin snow. It was peaceful there, isolated, good and quiet. At least until the hot-wired 1975 Pontiac Granville convertible, with the top down and its radio blaring a boisterous mariachi cover of incense and peppermint, arced airborne out over the mountain's jagged crest. And so begins my horror comedy, mad science, zombie summer camp novel, Brunt and Van Helsing Zombie Makers. Hello, I'm J.I. Greco, author and notorious layabout. I can only assume that you now desperately need to know what happens next, and frankly, so do I. Truth be told, I was pretty drunk when I wrote it. So after you finish reading your own ebook or trade paperback copy, available from Amazon and other discerning online booksellers, I consider it a personal favor if you let me know how it turns out. Seriously, I'll owe you one. Although I have to admit I am also pretty drunk right now, and will probably not remember any of this, so good luck collecting.
Live from the Land of Light in Nebula M78, home of the mighty Ultra Heroes, it's Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review. Ultra Q had been a ratings monster from the beginning, which led the executives at the Tokyo Broadcasting System, or TBS, to ask for a new show that would ultimately take over the same time slot. TBS had a direct list of expectations. They wanted one of the cast members from Ultra Q to carry over into the new show. They wanted giant monsters galore and a giant hero to fight them. And they wanted it in color in hopes of selling the series in the West. Eiji Tsuburaya and company agreed, which meant they had about half a year to bring a new show to television. The concept for the program went through many iterations before the design and name were settled. Ultraman was to make its debut July 17, 1966. There was a little problem, though. The network didn't like Open Up, the final episode of Ultra Q, so they leaned on Tsuburaya to be ready with Ultraman a week earlier. This wasn't going to happen, but it was decided that something else could. A stage show that would serve as an introduction to the cast, kaiju, and title character of Ultraman. Filmed at the Suganami Koukaido Hall in Tokyo, which was filled with kids and quite a few moms, the idea was simple in execution. Show off both familiar and new monsters, bring in the science special search party, and give a first glimpse of the hero Ultraman including what today would be called a teaser of him fighting giant monsters. In the end, Eiji Tsuburaya himself takes the stage. There's a heartwarming sing-along of Ultraman's title sequence song, and that was it. The stage show aired in Ultra Q's spot on the evening of July 10th, drew over 30% in the ratings, and created incredible anticipation for a show whose impact continues to expand almost 55 years later. July 10th continues to be celebrated as Ultraman Day in Japan, and visitors to the annual Ultraman Festival are treated to a modern, souped-up variation of the stage show that started it all. For Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review, this is Mark Matsky reporting. I really, really, really need to get to Japan someday. Someday. Because I need to go to see this stage show. I need to be there for Ultraman Day. Mark, thanks again, man. Oh, man. Japan. Someday, I'll be there. It's Rondo season. That's right. It's time for the Rondo Hatton Classic Horror Awards. This is something that's been put on for 19 years. This is the 19th year for the Rondo Awards. What are the Rondo Awards? Well, it's a way to honor the best in classic monster fiction, movies, releases, scholarship, fandom. I mean, really, it's all of it. It covers everything classic horror-wise and then some. Head over to RondoAward.com to check out the ballot. Now, when you go look at the ballot, you're gonna notice something. And what you're gonna notice is that there's a lot. This is a dense ballot. Even for a year like we had last year, there was a lot of material 
to consider when the ballot was being put together by David over at the Classic Horror Film Board. And wow, the man has done an amazing job putting together not just a ballot, but a checklist of all the best stuff that came out last year. So first of all, before you even consider voting for anything, review the entire ballot. Start making some notes. Did you see all the movies on the list? Did you read all the articles, all the books? You know, there's a lot of horror material out there these days for monster kids like us. Some of it's a little bit more modern, some of it's a little bit more new, but as David once told me, to appear on the ballot, these movies and articles and so on need to retain that monster kid spirit. And I think this year, you're going to see that, especially when you go and look at Best Multimedia. And I'm not just saying that because Monster Kid Radio is nominated again, but okay, partly because Monster Kid Radio is nominated again for Best Multimedia Site. Now, we did take home the award in 2014, and I've been on the ballot before and ever since. And it's awesome to be considered as Best Multimedia, along with all these other incredible websites and incredible podcasts. I'm friends with a lot of them. They all do incredible work and that I get to hang out with these guys and gals, that's awesome. How do you cast your ballot for the Rondo Awards? Well, it's real easy. It's old school, it's simple. Really all you gotta do is send an email. Send an email to taraco at aol.com and that's spelled T-A-R-A-C-O at AOL.com. In the subject, put something about the Rondo Awards, and then in the email itself, just write who you're voting for. You don't have to vote for every single category. In fact, if you only want to vote for one or two, that's fine. If you only want to vote for Monster Kid Radio in Best Multimedia because you want to make sure that my current Rondo Award gets a tag team partner, that's fine too. However, vote for all the categories that you're comfortable voting in. If you haven't seen all the movies or read all the books or whatever, that's fine. You don't have to vote there. And if there's something that didn't make the ballot that you think should have made the ballot, there's a write-in category. You can write in your favorites. Like if you want to write in Stephen D. Sullivan's Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors for best book, you can. Also, pay special attention to the bottom of the list where they're looking for things like Monster Kid of the Year, Monster Kid Hall of Fame, Best Artist, Best Writer, and so on. These are really cool categories, and I've always made a push for people to be entered into the Monster Kid Hall of Fame before we lose them. So if there's anybody doing incredible Monster Kid work that you'd like to see entered into the Hall of Fame, well, that's where you would put it in right now. So again, email taraco at aol.com. That is T-A-R-A-C-O at aol.com. Let them know who your choices are. Have fun voting. And if you know of any other monster kids in your life that might like to have their votes counted, send them over to RondoAward.com. Hello, I'm J.I. Greco, author and approximately 6.4% bottom shelf booze. It has been brought to my attention that the previous commercial for my horror comedy novel, Brunton Van Helsing Zombie Makers, did not include what I am told are called the quote-unquote socials and that I should rectify that presumably dire oversight by immediately returning to the Aether Waves to mention all the various ways you can connect with me over the quote-unquote internets to find out more about my quote-unquote books. Because apparently, selling books these days is all about trying to make connections with readers, however superficial the actual connection may be. While I indeed could easily rattle off such a list, at J.I. Greco on Twitter, at author J.I. Greco on Facebook, and J.I. Greco.com on the web, just to name a few, 
I have to ask, shouldn't simply knowing that Brunton Van Helsing Zombie Makers is chock full of dark fun with a mad scientist, his bumbling henchmen, voodoo rituals, ninjas, summer camp shenanigans, remote-controlled zombies playing basketball, gratuitous 1980s pop culture references, and a laugh-out-loud blood-soaked climax be enough to entice you into purchasing a copy of it for your very own from Amazon or another discerning online bookseller? I mean, if knowing all that doesn't grab you, is knowing what I had for lunch last Thursday really going to change your mind? I tell you, it's questions like that that keep me up at night. Well, that and the Shoggoth that lives at the foot of my bed, what with this constantly trying to sell me a timeshare on the Plateau of Lang. But Kevin does pitch in for cable every once in a while, so what you're gonna do? Stephen D. Sullivan and St. Euphoria present Atomic Tales Stories of science, mystery, and excitement This episode features the latest adventure in our fantastic original series Strange Invaders Tonight's tale takes place shortly after our last adventure in a story we call Ghost Town Gambit Join us now as we present another in our continuing series of Atomic Tales. I have to admit, this is one empty looking town. Agent Seven remarked as she gazed down the sandy streets of the tiny southwestern community. If you can even call it a town, I noted. It looks like something out of an old Randolph Scott movie. Tumbleweed skittered across the unpaved streets, over the plank sidewalks, and between a double handful of sun-faded wooden buildings. Yeah, more like a cheap television western set. Seven agreed, brushing off her khaki trousers, which the high desert wind had already covered with yellowish dust. I did the same with my rumpled, deep blue pants. I appreciate you picking me up, I said, but I've been hoping to get a change of clothes before my next assignment. No time. Seven replied, walking from her agency Studebaker toward the first ramshackle structure. She scrutinized our surroundings with scientific intensity as she went. I checked my pistol. It never hurts to be prepared, and followed close behind. Something about this place was raising the hairs on the back of my neck, and it wasn't the dusty wind. The Bureau had reports of glowing disks in the area last month. And now? Seven edged to one of the town saloon's swinging doors, carefully pushed it open and peered inside. It seems like the entire populace has disappeared. Both of us scoped out the weathered bar, but the place was definitely deserted. All 19 of them. She concluded. And the Tarragons think it's related to flying saucers somehow? Seven frowned and strolled down the creaky boardwalk toward the next building, a general store, judging by the sign. The doc and her dad don't think anything, Agent One. Seven told me. They need more info, which is why they sent me to scout the situation. And me. She frowned playfully. You just happened to be on the way. If you hadn't wrecked another car, you would have been home by now. Hazard of the job, I replied. At least when you're on the case. Don't make me wish they'd sent your brother instead of you, Seven. She laughed. You think this requires more muscle than brains? I don't think anything yet, I... Both Seven and I hit the deck. The boardwalk groaned under us. Was that a shot? She asked, reaching for her pistol. Maybe, I replied. The automatic was already in my hand. 
Sounded like it came from near the car. Keep low. This place might not be so deserted after all. Staying in a crouch, I hurried to the edge of the boardwalk with Seven right behind. I peeked around the corner to where we'd left the Bureau Studebaker. Then I relaxed slightly and holstered my gun. What is it? She asked, glancing around my shoulder. Just a blowout. Must be the desert heat. You have a spare, I assume. Unless the agency shorted us. She replied, starting to holster her weapon as well. Her face fell. But not two spares. Rats. We'll have to find a phone or telegraph. Or maybe this so-called town has a filling station with new tires at its far end. Yeah, maybe, I said. My gun rested in my hand again. But first, I think we have to get out of this alive. What do you... The groaning sound of crumpling metal interrupted her. We both watched in horror as something began to drag the rear of the Studebaker into the sandy ground. Hey! Seven said, running forward, gun in hand. That's my car! Ruth, don't! I cried, sprinting after her. The car stopped moving. The ground trembled under me as I grabbed Agent Seven around the waist and jumped with all my might. We landed maybe three yards farther on, which was just enough to take us away from the hole that had been opening under her feet. What the heck? Seven blurted as out of the hole came a living nightmare. An insect head as big as a keg of beer with pincers like butcher knives. The thing snapped its terrible jaws several times at the space we had just vacated, and then the monster disappeared back into its sandy hole. Move, I shouted, springing to my feet and running back toward the boardwalk. Seven followed, hot on my heels. More giant ants? I shook my head. Ants don't attack from underground. This is something else. Something new. How can a bug be so big? She asked, incredulous. I mean, I read the reports from you and the others, but... Get Tarragon to explain it to you. Which one? Either. Now the boardwalk was shaking under us. Apparently our vibrations were attracting this monster. Jump back, I commanded, and both of us did. Just in time, as the boardwalk in front of us erupted into a spray of broken planks and nasty splinters. Centipede! I cried as I took aim and fired. She shot as well. My bullet hit the thing in one of its oversized eyes. Sevens ricocheted harmlessly off the monster's reddish carapace, but the wound I gave it was enough to drive the thing back underground. I glared at my fellow agent. Hey, I'm not Deadeye Corrigan, okay? She explained, red in the face. Your brother's a better shot, I observed, angrier than I should have been. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I wish he was here instead of me, too. Sorry, I replied. That was unprofessional of me. Just keep still, she hissed. I think it can sense our vibrations. I froze in place. I'd guessed that. Okay, what's next? Can you heave that rain barrel into the street? Draw it away from us? I grunted as I tried to lift the keg resting on the boardwalk next to me, but it was probably a quarter full. Too heavy. A solid kick knocked it over, though, and the barrel rolled, sloshing as it went, down the hard-packed street. The ground shook beneath us once more. What now? I asked. It's distracted. Back to the car. I have a plan. We ran back the way we'd come as the monster centipede burst from the street and crushed the rain barrel in one bite. I think I know what happened to those missing people, I said. Not flying saucers. Seven agreed. Keep that thing occupied, would you? Sure, I said, kicking over another rain barrel. This one wasn't full at all, and the monster was on it in an instant. I took the opportunity to put out its other eye with a well-aimed shot. The thing screeched horribly as it dove back underground. At least now it'd be looking for us blind. Seven reached the Studebaker and started fiddling around near the driver's rear quarter panel. Get over here, would you? She instructed. Jump up and down on that side. 
We need to get the car to bounce a bit. Why? Vibrations to attract that thing. We gonna be its lunch? I asked nervously. Not if we're lucky, she replied. Seven's a field science expert, so I wasn't about to argue with her, whatever her plan might be. I got on the passenger side, just in front of the rear wheel wells, and started bouncing for all I was worth. She did the same on the driver's side. The back of the car was sunk in the ground up to the bumper already, so the whole thing felt pretty stiff, but working together, Seven and I soon got a decent rhythm going. Then the Studebaker started to shake on its own as the blinded monster's pincers grabbed onto the back and the gigantic bug started to drag the automobile under again, this time in earnest. Keep shaking! We wanted to think it's got a live one! Just as long as we're not the live ones it's got. We kept bouncing as the car quickly sank into the sandy street. Now jump! Seven shouted. Get as far away as you can! I leapt, landed five yards from the rapidly vanishing hulk, and kept rolling, just in case. Seven jumped too, and I saw something flash in her hand. A cigarette lighter? Just before she did. She rolled onto her feet when she landed and pointed toward the ramshackle buildings. Both of us ran as fast as we could, reaching the boardwalk on the far side of the street from the doomed car just as... A muffled explosion shook the whole place and sent Seven and me toppling to our knees. If you know what you're doing, a full gas tank can make a heck of an explosion. Seven knew what she was doing. She stood and laughed, brushing off dust once more. Still wish they'd set my brother? I shook my head as I rose. No, ma'am. One thing worries me, though. What if there are more of these monsters? Seven took a deep breath and sighed it out. The briefing said this was an old mining town, so I guess more of those buggers could be lurking underground. And if they are? Well, did you happen to notice the big propane tank on the edge of town? I smiled and nodded. And to think, I used to wonder why they called you Ruthless, Ruth Donlevy. Agent Seven grinned. If the name fits. This has been an original story of Strange Invaders, part of our ongoing series of Atomic Tales. Brought to you by St. Euphoria Productions. Tonight's episode, Ghost Town Gambit, was written by Stephen D. Sullivan. It was produced and edited by yours truly, Christopher R. Mim. Read by Christopher R. Mim. And featured Stephanie Mim as Agent 7, Ruthless Ruth Donlevy. Be sure to tune in next month for more Atomic Tales. Visit us at www.atomictales.com. Please support the films of Christopher R. Milne by visiting SaintEuphoria.com and the work of Stephen D. Sullivan via his Patreon at PaySteve.com. All elements of this episode are copyright 2020 by their creators and may not be reproduced or reused without permission. Atomic Tales and Strange Invaders are trademarks of Stephen D. Sullivan, all rights reserved. of Dragstrip Hollow. He's got the Hot Rodders Vavoomin and the Hepcats Zoomin. She your chick? Well, I'd like to think so. You know, she prefers hot rods instead of hot romances. That's because it's easier to handle cars. <laughs> This chick does all right with romance, too.
But nothing stops this pirate's bird, who learned his tricks from the ghost of Dragstrip Hollow. Anybody want to kiss a duck? It's a perfectly rational explanation for all this. <laughs> Cats and hot rodders, they're all alive to the jive. same old vacation spots with their relatively low odds of being driven insane by accidentally making eye contact with the family of corpse-eating cultists that live in the bungalow next door? Do you believe all those stories about timeshares being money pit scams stem from a massive disinformation campaign secretly backed by the National Hotel and Lodging Association? Are you simple-minded? If you are any of these things, have I got a deal for you. Hi there, I'm Kevin, entrepreneur and shapeless blob. And that wailing sound you hear in your sleep is the plateau of Lang beckoning to you. Aye! Aye! Heed the call! Thousands of vacation lots are available, some even above water. But they're going to go fast, so secure your little slice of the dreamlands today by emailing DJ Mixmaster Kblob at wholesaleatomics.com. You'd be madder than old Abdul Al has read himself not to. Aye! Aye! Serious inquiries only. Hello there, Monstercade Radioheads. This is Kenny with a look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. Today we are talking with Ron Adams about this year's Drive-In Monster Bash. So I looked in my trusty index and found this blurb in FM 185 from July of 1982 on a movie called Drive-In Massacre. Let's hear what it had to say. Prior to Boris Karloff's death in 1969, CFM 56 for our memorial issue. One of his final motion pictures was one of truly great quality. Its title, Targets. Karloff played an aging horror movie star. In essence, he was playing himself, whose timely publicity appearance at a drive-in theater showing his final horror film manages to dissuade a sniper hidden inside the immense drive-in screen from killing off any more unsuspecting theater patrons. It was a fine film and would have befitted the king had it been truly his last horror pick, but it wasn't. And now we have Targets without Karloff. Similar in theme to Karloff's Targets, Drive-In Massacre also plays on the fears of drive-in patrons when the film's psychotic killer starts doing nasty things to paying customers, chopping off one poor fellow's arm as he reaches out of his car window to adjust the drive-in speaker box. And that's just for starters. Meanwhile, police interrogate another suspect, whose only real crime is spying on the drive-in's darkened cars in the back rows. Newton Nashaus, as the drive-in theater's owner, is pretty upset about being told there's a mad slasher on his grounds, doing his best to upset the paying customers. When the Vincent Price thriller of 1958, The Tingler, played in theaters across the country, producer William Castle inserted a scene where the creature got loose in a darkened theater, 
terror was rampant as Price overrode the theater's sound system to announce that the Tingler was inside the theater. In the same way, in Drive-In Massacre, the Drive-In's feature soundtrack is deleted for a few moments so an announcement can be made that a psychotic killer is cutting loose along the theater's grounds. The Bible of the movie industry, Variety, has called this idea a special delight of drive-in pictures. It's certainly an effective, if not entirely original, ploy of the screenplay. For maximum effect, see Drive-In Massacre at a drive-in. Four on the floor. And we don't mean fear shifts, or gear shifts. We're talking about those four palpitating patrons who can't stand the tidbits of terrific terror of evil speak. The Boogans, Dawn of the Mummy, and Drive-In Massacre. I had left Monster Kidnam for a time by July of 1982, so I'd never heard of this movie before, so I looked it up. It is actually a 1977 film being covered as a new movie in 1982. I didn't find anything about a late release. It was directed by Stu Siegel, who also helmed classics like Dirty Dolls, CB Hustlers, Teenage Jailbait, and Saddle Tramp Women. It had an estimated budget of $30,000. It has a 5% rating at Rotten Tomatoes and is in the public domain. In other words, perfect for the Monster Kid Movie Club stream. That is all for this week's look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. We will have more next week. For MKR, this is Kenny saying adios. Kenny, I think uh, your definition of perfect and my definition of perfect are a little different. Okay, actually, I don't really know what I'm talking about because I've never seen Drive-In Massacre. So what I did is I went online and I watched the trailer for Drive-In Massacre. And, um, oh, why not? I'll show it on a future installment, a future weekend at the Monster Kid Movie Club. I just got to figure out when and, uh, yeah. Anyway. Here's the trailer, and uh, thanks again, Kenny. On August 10th, in a California drive-in, it all began. It will grip you like nothing you have ever witnessed before. It is absolute and total horror. <laughs> a psychotic killer is usually a man driven by lust, by passion, and by hate. The time between each killing gets short. Someone, please! Please get out! Please get out of your life! Get out! With a psychotic killer still on the loose, the police chase every suspect in the city, but to no avail. I haven't picked up a knife since a carny clothed. You used to be a sword swallower. Do you still have any of those blades? Now, the fear that makes brave men run will freeze you in your seat. Make your blood run cold and finally make you scream in terror. Warning, drive-in massacre has been deemed too terrifying for the average viewer. The risk is entirely yours. Egypt, land of the pyramids, a nice place to visit. Now I'm gonna be clear sailing all the way. But would you want to die there? Dawn of the Mummy. Sephiramun, ancient pharaoh of Egypt, has slept for 3,000 years. A mummy in an undiscovered tomb. <laughs> Only now to be awakened by invaders searching for his forbidden treasure. Dawn of the Mummy.
Gary Kahn is going ethereal this year. Gary Kahn 13 is taking place March 25th through the 28th, and it's happening all online. Go over to GaryCon.com to learn all about it. On Saturday the 27th, the Monster Kid Movie Club is teaming up with the ethereal Gary Kahn for Gary Kahn Meets the Monster Kid Classics. Ten hours of Monster Movie Classics showing at twitch.tv slash monsterkidradio or monsterkidmovie.club on Saturday starting at noon central time. We'll be showing movies like The Giant Gila Monster, Attack of the Giant Leeches, The Crawling Eye, The Killer Shrews, and much, much more. You can come in for one movie or come for them all. Just come to the Monster Kid Movie Club and celebrate Gary Con and classic, or not so classic, monster movies with us all day long. There's a live chat, and I'd love to see you there. Plus, I'll be making a special announcement about a new project coming from Dice Monster Dice Gaming. Make sure you go to GaryCon.com to learn more about the convention and how you can celebrate a life well played. Listeners, I missed this guy last year. I didn't get a chance to see him because, well, the state of the world, 2020, shut down so many conventions, including my beloved Monster Bash. I call it my beloved Monster Bash, but it's your beloved Monster Bash too, right, Ron? Oh, yeah, and and so many of us that all grew up the same way, we're all, you know, we all love getting together at Bash. If you don't recognize that voice, that is Ron Adams, the man behind the Monster Bash, the Grand Poobah of all things Monster Bash, member of the Rondo Hatton uh, Monster Kid Hall of Fame, if I remember correctly, right? Yeah, I was, uh, yeah, that was very nice last year, yeah. Yeah. Uh, How's it going? How are you surviving without a Monster Bash? You get more sleep? (laughs) (laughs) No, actually, it just, uh, rev up more in other areas i'm you know i've been you know spinning my wheels doing you know mail order and get, picking up the pieces in other directions and you know still you know every daily working on uh you know getting bash going one way or another and uh and working on uh future bashes as well at this point uh with you know hoping that maybe and you know i don't have my hopes totally up but maybe we might be able to do something this fall uh, i talked to the hotel quite a bit uh where we normally have it at the uh in cranberry mars pennsylvania and uh you know we're, you know things are opening up a little bit but right now they're at, uh they're just about ready to open up 25 percent capacity on on the, the rooms which you know if you've been the bash you know 100 percent isn't quite enough for us uh so we're hoping that maybe by this fall and if not we're scheduled as usual for the third weekend in june next year for a hotel monster bash uh but we're you know who knows september october november maybe something could happen but uh you know yeah, don't don't bank on it, but maybe. Uh, in the meantime, we're doing what we can do, which is uh, uh, thankfully the great people at the Riverside Drive-In in Vandegrift, Pennsylvania, and that's uh, northeast of uh, Pittsburgh, about 35 miles or so. If you're looking on a map, it's near a larger town called New Kensington, and they love us there. We've been there for the Super Monster Rama shows, which George Reese runs from DVD Drive-In, and he's a great guy, and we've been there for their shows. And last year, we did a uh, Universal Monster Night at the Riverside, and this year, I said, well, can we try to do as much of what is a bash as possible? And they were all for it. It's great to have you know a venue 
that really likes what we do, you know, that really helps. I've been at many hotels over the past 30 years with Monster Bash, and some of the hotels aren't crazy about having a monster show. So it's really nice to have the venue just love us, which is wonderful. So we're doing Bash at the Riverside Drive-In on June 11th and 12th, which will be a Friday and Saturday. And as usual, it's going to be a, a long day, night affair. Both days will be noon to like 2 or 3 in the morning with naturally movies at night. And during the day, we're going to do as many events that we do normally at Monster Bash that we can do outside. Frank Delestrito, the writer, is going to be there. He's got a brand new book called The Passion of the Mummy, all about the cars films from the mummy's hand through the mummy's curse and with his normal twist like he did with uh, his wolfman novel it's where he really makes it it's his own little world using the history of the, of the classic movies and it's just wonderful stuff and so he's going to premiere the book the passion of the mummy at, at the monster bash and we're calling it monster bash under the stars since that's where we'll be under the stars and um, we're going to do games we're going to do events leonard uh hayhurst and tom shabilla who have uh, done a lot of like game shows and things like that at monster bash they're going to be hosting a gigantic monster cornhole tournament where we're giving away hundred dollar shopping sprees at creepy classics and we're going to do the traditional uh, monster bash cake on saturday evening we have giant sheet cakes free cake for everybody so we're going to rev up as much that we normally do at monster bash that we can at, at the drive-in and so it's going to be fun days fun days with uh, uh and most of all with our family and friends our monster bash family and friends to back up a little bit and to unpack something you said at the beginning of that to be clear the hotel that the monster bash is held in now they love us. I, I, I don't think you yeah, were trying to imply yeah. otherwise. I just, no, for listeners uh, who might have misunderstood. Back. Yeah, I was going back a few years. There were a couple hotels that we had uh, that <laughs> we're going way back to like 98, 99. And uh, that was in Monroeville. And there was another hotel as well, not Butler. Butler was great for the most part. Most of the people at the Butler Hotel loved us. And in Cranberry, uh, Mars, uh, the people there have been great. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. For, yeah, and, and the hotel is just perfect as far as the layout goes for doing bash. So we can't wait to get back into there. Uh, my current rep there is a woman named Kate who is just, she's great. And she's, we've been in touch quite a bit. And I uh, just spoke to her uh, via email like three or four days ago. And we're, you know, constantly discussing, you know, you know what can we do and how soon can we do it? <laughs> and, and we're, you know, we're, we're, we're hoping hoping but you know that maybe this september october november we could do a bash there but again don't write it into the calendar uh that's why i haven't posted any dates because we we really need to have a a real bash there we don't want to do something that's just like sorry only only 20 people are allowed in the movie room right now we don't want that kind of Ooh. it's not going to make anybody happy you know so we, we want to make sure we can do a bash that people are gonna you know enjoy and, and what they're used to um and we're hoping it's the sooner the better, and we're as soon as we can, we will. 
Yeah, every time I've dealt with that hotel over the phone from out here in Oregon trying to set things up for just me being able to have a room, they've been awesome. So I just wanted to clear that up in case anybody thought, no, that hotel is amazing for what we do. Oh, yeah. They, they, oh, yeah, they're great. They're in yeah. it. They're, they're in it. I mean, they're, they're with us. They, they love it. So awesome. Oh, and yeah. I did, I, I'm friends with Frank on Facebook, and I saw him post just the other day the cover for his book, The Passion of the Mummy. Yeah. I am yeah. so disappointed. I'm not going to be able to be out there. I'm so bummed I'm not going to be able to be there for the premiere of the book. <laughs> it's kind of it's neat. As soon as I saw it, I, I'm like, Frank, because he, he told me he was doing the whole chorus, you know, his world and writing style. And as soon as I saw that, it's like, you really do the whole chorus thing because it's the body of Tom Tyler with Lon Chaney's head on it. I'm like, wow, that's cool. It's all a chorus wrapped into one. No pun intended. Oh, oh, yeah, you're a child of euphoria with that pun right there. Yeah. Talk, my, my wife, Ursula, she's a, uh, you know, a teacher and she has like a, re she's a reading specialist and very into the English language. And I, I told her, you know, we've often talked about favorite teachers and, and my favorite teachers were two guys, Forrest J. Ackerman and Stan Lee. <laughs> they, I, I learned everything I learned about writing from those two guys, which I, yeah, I, I don't know if it's good, but I enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> Everything I need to know in life, I learned from Forrest J. Ackerman. just has a nice ring to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, Stan Lee, I'd read an interview, and it's true, because it's exactly true. He would purposely use words that kids wouldn't normally use, things like annihilation. And you know, as, as a eight or nine-year-old, I was run into the dictionary to learn words that I was reading in comic books. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, and, uh, I thought that you know I thought that was great. You know what a what a great thing to purposely throw in words that you knew were above your reader, your general readership, just to help them you know along the way, which was was great. Go back and read the old Doctor Strange or Silver Surfer, and you'll be like, wow, these oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely, words. wow, absolutely, yeah. 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 See, this is one of the things that I miss about the bash is just we're talking about one thing, and now we're talking about comic books, and it makes perfect sense. <laughs> I've, I've said before, it's all like this giant ball of pop culture wax that we grew that we grew up in, and it's it's all kind of like related. Whether it's 1960s TV or 1930s horror movies, or or going to the theater to see a Hammer movie, it's it's all this you know this this thing that made us what we are. Heaven forbid. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way, man. I wouldn't have it any other yeah. way. <laughs> you bet. Yeah. So, so you mentioned movies, and I got to ask, do you know what movies are going to be shown at the drive-in? I, I put together uh, the drive-in uses a particular booker okay. uh, that that deals with all the um, all the various studios. Todd, who who handles that at the theater at the drive-in, I gave him a list with backups, and I'll throw some out there. I these none of these are confirmed yet. Uh, he said that. The booker has all the titles and is working on it, but we have no uh, confirmation yet. But I gave him a list of like 20 films, more than, than we can do the two nights, and just because I know that some stuff's not going to 
you probably won't fly, uh, including Invasion of the Saucer Man, which would be awesome to see on the drive-in screen. Well, we don't know about the, you know, getting the, maybe the screening rights will be easier than, than it getting released to DVD or Blu-ray. But I threw it in there, threw in there, you know, a variety of, of, of classics and some obscure ones too. So we'll just see what the Booker uh, can do. More popular ones like The Blob, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, and, and, and then some obscure ones too, like The Thing That Couldn't Die. And, and uh, you know, it, I just a big list. And as soon as we know the confirmation of titles that we'll be screening, uh, you know, I'll have it posted on the Monster Bash Conference Facebook page, as well as where it goes first is uh, monsterbashnews.com. And that I change daily, every single, I do the Facebook page too, but uh, every day, weekdays, it changes. In fact, soon when we're off, we're recording this very early in the morning for me on the East Coast right now. And as soon as we're done talking, I'll be changing, you know, six or seven web pages and the Facebook page. I do that every day. And as soon as I know titles that are for sure, I'll be posting them. Absolutely. Right on. And I'll make sure there are links in the show notes over at monsterkidradio.net to all things Monster Bash and Creepy Classics so people can follow along and you know be up to date with what's going on. For sure. For sure. So we've got Frank's book. We've got movies at night. We've got the games. Guests? We've got the cake. We've got the cake. cake. Everyone loves free cake. Um, Yeah, I actually, this I have not put on the web yet. I'm going to do it today. So, you know, probably as people are hearing this, it's, it'll be up on the web. But uh, this is the first time I've talked about it publicly is we just got clearance from the drive-in uh, that we can run uh, the Bash Boys. So we're going to have the band playing outside both Friday and Saturday. So we'll be doing the our There are staff people and a couple of our vendors that, that play instruments. And there, we're going to be, oh, I should, should mention that the theme is flashback 50s for the, this particular bash. So the, the movies are all going to be 1950s horror and sci-fi. And the, the band will be playing 1950s rock and roll. Kevin Slick is our, our band leader, lead vocalist and guitarist, as well as the, we have Son of Ghoul, the TV horror host to be on bass. Bob Pellegrino will be playing uh, drums as he normally does. And uh, we've got John Sargent, who does the uh, magazine Monster Art and is also a fabulous guitarist, and he'll be playing guitar as well. And then we'll have some special vocalists besides Kevin and, and the band members. Uh, we'll have uh, my wife, Ursula, is going to be doing Little Eva's The Locomotion, and we have uh, Bernie Sherry, another staff member, doing a couple of vocals. And uh, I'm waiting for confirmation, but we're pretty sure Mark Statler's on board to do the song Monster Bash. And uh, but it'll be fun. It'll be all. It's, it'll be very retro 1950s. And but we got clearance from the theater that the band can play in front of the screen in the late afternoon, both Friday and Saturday. Kevin Slick had mentioned, and I love this idea, but I just don't think it's feasible to do like a, a, a Beatles Let It Be thing and have the band play on top of the concession building, <laughs> which would have been great. But I, I just don't think uh, the theater would like that <laughs> because we might do some damage to Holland amps and stuff up onto the roof. But, uh, but it'll be fun. They'll be in front of the screen, so it'll be fun. Right on. Well, that sounds like about you mentioned vendors. You're going to have vendors here too, huh? Yeah, a few. Uh, we, we do have some 
vendors that have their own smaller tents that we'll be setting up. Son of Ghoul is going to be there. Uh, a business called From the Basement, which is really just two guys selling their lifelong collections of great stuff. They've sent me photos. I mean, it's it's just like you, you fell into the 1960s monster kid craze and it's all that stuff. It's toys and comic books and monster magazines and models and, and uh, you know, action figures and it's all just really great vintage stuff, monster stuff. Uh, so they'll be having a bunch of tables there because uh, they have a tent. <laughs> and, uh, and then also... Bash staff Leonard Hayhurst, he's going to have um, his stuff there, and he's got uh, he's stocked up on Godzilla stuff, so that'll be cool. So there, there's going to be there's going to be and creepy classics, of course. We'll be in the concession building as we normally are for the Super Monsterama shows, as well as the Universal nights we did last year. Uh, so we'll creepy classics of uh, tables inside the concession building, and we line like where you get concessions. There's like railings, and we line from floor to ceiling T-shirts. So you're like walking through a maze of T-shirts when you go to get food at the drive-in, which is kind of fun. Just It just looks cool. So, yeah, it'll be fun. I want to keep talking about this, but before we get too much further, Ron, there's a game that we play on every episode of Monster Kid Radio. We got to do it with you. The Classic Five! Okay, I'm ready. We got to do it. It's the Classic Five, and I know we've played it before, uh, both in person and on the show. For listeners who don't know, this is a card game that we play here. I've got a deck of cards here. I'm going to drive five cards, and each one of these cards has a this or that. Which movie do you prefer style question on them? There are no wrong answers. It's just a way to get Monster Kids talking. Ron, are you ready to play no, around? I'll, I'll, I'll find a way to come up with a wrong answer. Nah, no, nah, we're, we're good. We're good. <laughs> All right, here we go. Card number one. Which movie do you prefer? <laughs> the Giant Gila Monster or The Killer Shrews? I love I love them both, but I, I go with the killer shrews. The cold, glossy pages of True Magazine call the killer shrew the world's most savage mammal. You will never venture into a forest alone after you see the killer shrews with James Best and Ingrid Good, motion picture horror masterpiece. The killer shrews. I, I love them both. They're both in the same section of my mind, which is low, low budget. But still fun. And that, to me, is not a bad movie. It doesn't matter how low the budget is, as long as it's entertaining. And both of those movies are extremely entertaining. Uh, I just, I like The Killer Shrews. I guess I like isolation kind of horror films where, you know, like The Thing is one of my favorite sci-fis because... You're, it's isolated. And the killer shrews are on that island, and uh, they're isolated with these things that are just uh, <laughs> these poor dogs with, with fur on. <laughs> but, uh, but it's that isolation thing with some kind of monster menace. Uh, so I, I would just slightly lean towards killer shrews on that one, Derek. Okay, see? No wrong answers. There you go. All right, card number two. What is your favorite John Agar monster movie? because I've been posting a lot of mole people stuff, which is great. And I thought it immediately comes to mind uh, Night Fright, not as a favorite, because he's just too mean in that. Every scene he's yelling at somebody. I, but <laughs> the one that I, I, I like, the, the mole people's great, but that's kind of an ensemble thing. It's great all the way around. A movie that John Agar drives is The Brain from Planet Eris. Yeah. He 
rocks in that movie. You know, he's a nice guy, and then he's a bad guy, controlled by the aliens. And uh, and a, a friend of mine, the, the, the Sebastian staffer, Ed Watson, he brought up to me once, and he's, he mentioned this happens with a lot of classic horror and science fiction movies. Okay, the movie ends, but what would have happened if the situation ended the way it does? Things end well on the brain from Planet Eris, and I'm sorry I'm giving a spoiler here, but um, but still, here John Agar was killing people with this power he had, and the movie ends and everyone's happy, but wait a minute, <laughs> when do the lawsuits begin? You know, <laughs> and, and a lot of movies are that way. You know, they, they appear to have a happy ending, but you think that with what just transpired, what would happen after that? It's like, oh my gosh, things would get really bad. <laughs> but, uh, but anyhow, Brain from Planet Earth, to answer your question, just because he, he just rocks that movie. You need the sequel, The Son of the Brain of Planet Eros. You know, like Son of Kong. It starts out with the lawsuit and everybody trying to get out of town. So yeah. <laughs> or John Agar in Jailhouse Rocks. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, card number three. Oh, another. Which movie do you prefer, Planet of the Vampires or Planet of the Apes? Oh, boy, that's an that's an interesting kind of like off the beaten path kind of question. A very different movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is tough. Again, I, I love them both. Planet of the Apes has what a great, great uh, ending, and I don't want I won't say for those who might not have seen it, which I doubt anyone listening to this would not have seen it, but, uh, you know, Rod Serling was involved in doing the screenplay to uh, the novel, uh, and that's, it's just great. Um, now, Planet of the Vampires, it's just so quirky and colorful. And it's got a twist but, uh, ending, too. Yes, right, right. Mm. Oh, man, yeah. So, yeah, but, you know, picking one, I guess Planet of the Apes, but that is really tough because they're so different, and I love them for different reasons. Uh, Planet of the Vampires, people always say that it, the terror from beyond space, inspired the movie Alien. Well, there's a lot of Planet of the Vampires in Alien as well, in the design of the monster. If you recall the petrified aliens in Planet of the Vampires, the design of those things is very similar, you know, the aliens in Alien. Yeah. Anyhow, I guess Planet of the Apes wins, but barely. Discover Planet of the Apes. Civilization where humans run wild in the jungles, and the superior beings are apes. Tribunal has placed you in my custody for final disposition. Do you realize what that means? No. Emasculation to begin with. Then experimental surgery on the speech centers, on the brain. And a kind of living death. Well, you mentioned Rod Serling, so we'll say card number four is uh, Night Gallery or Twilight Zone? Oh, wow. Um, well, Night Gallery gets a bad rap because it followed Twilight Zone as far as a Rod Serling you know, anthology project. Uh, Twilight Zone is my favorite TV show of all time, the original Twilight Zone. I can watch those endlessly, and I do. I love Night Gallery, and I think Night Gallery has gotten a bad rap uh, because it's kind of like Son of Kong being measured against King Kong. If you, if King Kong never existed, Son of Kong is a great, great little fantasy movie. Can you imagine if that came out and there was no King Kong? Huh. It would be 
heralded as a great movie, but it gets so overshadowed by the greatness of King Kong. And that's the same with Night Gallery. Night Gallery is a great horror anthology. And, you know, I know Serling didn't like going into the graveyard every week. And, and he didn't. There were some Night Galleries that were not necessarily just ghoulish, uh, tearing down Tim Riley's bar and things like that. But And they're really great. But it is overshadowed by Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone is just such a milestone. So Twilight Zone is definitely my favorite, but Night Gallery should not be dismissed. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Night Gallery, it's, it's very underrated. It doesn't get enough credit for what it is. And, yeah, and uh, it, that's because everybody, everybody yeah. whenever you, you know, they always compare it with the Twilight Zone, and you, you got to take it on its own merits. Yep. All right, so the final question, actually, I, I made this one up just for you, Ron. If money was no object, if you could go back in time and talk to somebody who's no longer with us, what one character from a monster movie would you like to have as a guest at Monster Bash? actor too is people if people that know me uh, the character would be Larry Talbot I'd love to, to yeah, help him psychoanalyze himself <laughs> on stage with with everyone asking questions and of course you know it would have to be during a uh, bash uh, during a full moon and then we can get the full effect but, uh, <laughs> which, which uh, the cake would probably be a mess by the end of that night but uh <laughs> But yeah, Larry Talbot, that would be a lot. Would be fun. Uh, that would be that would be a great Q and A. You said have him on stage and people asking him questions, and I don't know why my brain works this way. Maybe because I did stay up all night to catch you early in the morning, but my brain immediately put together this image of like Larry Talbot, on, like on the Doctor Phil show, you know, going through that. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. I just want to die. (laughs) (laughs) But you don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man! Oh, somebody needs to write that for me. I want to. I want to read that story at least. Anyway, where's Frank Delastrida when you need him? Right, Frank. Are you listening? (laughs) And and, and add on to uh, to his Werewolf Remembers book. Oh, Larry Talbot uh, visited Monster Bash. Oh, that that's fantastic. You know, wasn't I forget the name of the book, but there was a book that somebody wrote that has won the Forey Award that takes place at a Monster Bash and doesn't Dracula oh, yeah, and uh, them Jerry, turn up? Jerry Goodwin wrote that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, in, in fact, <laughs> they renamed uh, you know some of the characters, but it's all the people you know. Uh, Jerry, did Jerry Goodwin? Uh, wrote that, and um, yeah, Bob Pellegrino became to his chagrin Bob Pickles. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, it, it's it's a murder mystery at uh, uh, at Monster Bash. I'm, the, the title's evading me right now. I carry it here at Creepy Classics, but uh, but Jerry Goodwin is is the author. Mm-hmm. Uh, long time, you know, lifelong monster fan. Now there's another. People probably don't know about this, but there's another published thing that totally happens at Monster Bash, and it was a Scooby-Doo comic book. The fellow that wrote it, I forget what issue it is, I have a bunch of copies, but it came out probably 
10 years ago, 15 years ago, and they contacted me and asked if they could use Monster Bash as the setting for a Scooby-Doo comic book, and it's called Monster Bash, and I, I, you know, I said, sure, you know, because I do have that as a registered trademark, and so they, they must have seen that, so they contacted me. I said, yeah, I don't care, do it. So then they, they morphed me into, uh, I'm, I'm, my character is a woman in the, in the running the convention, but her name is uh, Rhonda Adams. It, you know, it's a murder mystery that happens at Monster Bash, and it's, uh, it's a Scooby-Doo comic book, and I, I forget what issue it is. I'm sure you could Google it and find it, but uh, I have some copies buried somewhere here, but uh, I, I, I thought that was really cool, too. So there's, there's and Jerry Goodwin's book, and again, if you go on Amazon and look, at, uh, and look up Jerry Goodwin, uh, I'm sure you can find it. I'll have that information. Yeah, I'll make sure that information's in the show notes so people can find it. Because uh, I've read yeah, that, and I, yeah. I, I'm reading it, and a lot of it, I think, takes place at the other hotel before I started going to Monster Bash. But, Butler, yeah, it was but, the Butler Hotel, yeah. But yeah. since I've seen all the Monster Bash memory videos and DVDs over the years, I still felt like I knew the place. So I'm like, yeah, this, these are my friends. <laughs> You know what Tom Savini once said, and I, I, I and it really made me feel good. He, uh, he, you know, we over the years we've been at various hotels. We were at Butler really a long time, and we're at in the current hotel in Mars, PA. We've been at a long time, but there, in between there were a variety of other hotels. And Tom Savini came up to me one time, I think when we were had just moved to Mars. And he goes, you know what, Ron? Wherever Monster Bash is, it's still Monster Bash. He says, I don't know how you do it, but the feeling carries over wherever we're at. It doesn't matter. It's Monster Bash. I thought that's really nice of him to say. And he does a lot of conventions, so he should know. That's that's amazing. That's high praise, man. And I don't. Th- and it's not me. It's it's just uh, what, the only thing that I did was kind of focus it, and then it's just everyone that's like minded getting together, and we can all talk like like you know. Just now, you calling me on the phone this morning. It's it's like we grew up together. You know, it's, yeah. it, everyone is like minded. It's you can talk about stuff, and you know, you can you can mention George Zuko or Dwight Fry or Skelton Nags, and you know. Everyone knows exactly who you're talking mm-hmm. about. You don't have to explain anything. <laughs> you know, it, we all have the same memories, and it's really great. That's what, that's what Monster Bash is. It doesn't matter what part of the country you grew up in. It doesn't matter how old you are. Like you said, we're lifelong best friends, even though we might have just met at the Bash. And it's amazing. Yeah, exactly. It's such a, a homey, welcoming atmosphere. Yeah, you can stop in the hallway and talk to anyone mm-hmm. and feel like you grew up with the person. Yeah. It's amazing, and I'm really excited that you found a way to do something Monster Bash related this year. I know last year was really tough with everything, and you know I, I'm happy yeah, to I, see I the monster not, come back. So, yeah, yeah, I had besides monster, you know, the two Monster Bashes, I had you know 19 shows scheduled, and we were only able to do two of them, two drive-in shows, and so oh. it was it was yeah it was tough, and you had to. You know, scrambling to just, you know, to, to beef up the mail order to, to get bills paid. But we'll get through it, and we'll we'll be monster bashing again this June as well as we can, doing everything we can do that we do at a normal bash at the drive-in. And then we'll be, uh, you know, as soon as we can get back in the hotel, we will be there. So, because it's at a drive-in, it's all outside, so... We've got some of the safety issues kind of dealt with there. Is there anything else you're doing to try to help with, like, safety protocols and things like that, social distancing? We're under the stars. 
we're going to be, you know, we're going to be outside open air. And, uh, you know, I think if I, uh, I believe that they've just now dropped the six foot to three foot distancing. It's, it's just the only way we can do it to, you know, for everything to be good is to do drive in right now. And then we'll be back in the hotel when we can, uh, which be awesome if it was this fall. And if not this fall, we're, we're already scheduled for the third weekend in June for 2022. So book your rooms now. Well, maybe hold off until the monster bash rate comes out, but then book your rooms. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> as soon as uh, as soon as I get uh, confirmation, because we're you know maybe you know we could luck out and maybe things will be good enough by uh, by you know October or November. Of course, it wouldn't be Thanksgiving weekend, but if, yeah, I would be even willing to to do a November bash if it wasn't Thanksgiving weekend. But if not, then the June, the third weekend in June, where we always are, we're locked in at the hotel and that's that's when we'll be back there if not before and in the meantime we're doing it under the stars uh the the fall bash you've talked about this is something that's not been done from the beginning this is a relatively newer addition i've never been to the fall bash to like the october bash what's the weather like out there for that point at that point if i were to get out there do i need to bring a heavy coat well you know that's october rarely sees uh, snow, okay. but it can be chilly, uh, okay. but it can also be warm. So it, it's one of the, it's a month that where it could be 70, 75 degrees during the day, or it could be 40 degrees during the day. It, it really varies, but we're not into that period where, it could, you know, you're going to have a major snowstorm that, you know, once you get into late November uh, through the end of March in this area of the country, you could get a major snowstorm. But in October, you know, it's it's uh, it could be chilly, but it could be warm too. So it just varies, but it's not going to be really bad. Okay. And we, we actually have done October shows on and off since probably about 2004. And in fact, we did a winter bash one time. I really rolled the dice back in 2000. We did a January show. Oh, wow. And for with Forey Ackerman, and we lucked out. I mean, it was cold, but it was there was no snowstorm or anything, and we had a great turnout. And uh, we did. It was heavily. We really, we, we really revolved it around Forey Ackerman, and we did all kinds of contests. And Forey got in, uh, was made up and make up at various points. And so it was a real fun time with with Forey Ackerman in 2000 in winter. That was a jam. But but we've done. Uh, fall shows on and off for for a long time and more regularly in the past few years. That's that. <laughs> Where the drive-in show is happening, uh, do you know what the weather might be like for people who might be coming out for that? Do they need to be bundled up? You know, or? That's, a good, that, that's good because, yeah, some people have asked that come from different parts. So we've already had people signing up, you know, from distant states. Uh, a lot of people from Florida are coming up. Maybe because it's too hot during June in Florida. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, it's... It, it's generally, um, June is really a great month weather-wise. Uh, you're usually talking, and this, again, it's, the weather is the weather, but generally it's 75 degrees during the day and, you know, 60 at night. Uh, so it's usually very comfortable, you know, and of course we're at the mercy of, of, of rain. That'll slow things down, and we might have to reschedule different events if that happens. Uh, so we hope it doesn't, but it can always happen. You have to keep that in mind. Uh, as far as, oh, you know, I probably, if you don't mind, Derek, I should probably mention about, since it's not a hotel, uh, accommodations. 
I was going to ask, so yeah, that's... The drive-in is, uh, they, they're kind of unique. Uh, they've done this during the Super Monsterama shows. Uh, since it's really just one night that between, from Friday, it's Friday and Saturday. So Friday night, the drive-in is, is offering, I think they're charging $20 to stay overnight. And if you, you can bring a tent and they actually set up a tent by your vehicle or you can stay in your vehicle. And the cool thing is they offer a full hot breakfast in the morning at the concession building. And Emma, who is in charge of the, the kitchen there, she is phenomenal. I mean, she's doing like for an army, home fries, pancakes, hot eggs, and it's, you know, all you can eat. That comes with the price of staying over, you know, staying overnight at the drive-in. You know, want to rough it, you know, naturally you're, you're at the mercy of drive-in bathrooms. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, it's one night, and, and you get a massive breakfast that probably would last you through lunch. And they're offering, I think, uh, you can call the drive-in if you'd like, and that's on the web, the RiversideDriveIn.com. But I believe it's $20 for the night with a free all-you-can-eat hot breakfast. There's that. And if you don't want to rough it, even though you know, the movies are going to go probably till 2 or 3 in the morning... There are local bed and breakfasts right there. I mean, within a half mile or a mile, there's lots and lots of bed and breakfast uh, places in Vandegrift. There's also a small hotel, which I wouldn't be surprised. I haven't checked in with them. They're probably already uh, sold out, but they might have still have a room or two, a local uh, motel, which is about a mile. Now, a little further away, you've got Holiday Inns and Super 8s and, you know, a, a variety. You can Google close hotels to Vandegrift, PA, and uh, Vandegrift is V-A-N-D-E-R-G-R-I-F-T, just like it sounds. And there are a lot of, a lot of chain ones that are, you know, you, you might be talking uh, 15-minute drive, though. Uh, but there are a lot of bed and breakfasts real close, and then of course you can just hang at the drive-in and to a hotel the next night on your way on your way home. There you go. So, what's it cost for the bash experience? Is it just admission to the oh. drive-in, or, or what's it take? Yeah, it's uh, it's actually less than a normal bash. The uh, I'm actually, uh, to be honest, really not making the gate on this like I would at, at bash. So that's why you know we we don't have. You know, the, we don't have the, the guests and all the vendors and everything. Uh, the drive-in is charging $15 a day per person, or for the whole weekend, uh, it's $25 for both days. And you can, right now we're just doing, uh, I'm doing, I'm handling the, uh, the sign-ups. And you can go to creepyclassics.com and click on Monster Bash Admission, or go to monsterbash.us. And again, click on uh, admission. And so it's it's less than a regular bash. It's just a little different, but uh, it's still going to be a lot of fun. We hope everyone will, will stop out and bash with us. Like I said to you in an email, I wish I could be out there. I, I just, with everything going on on my end, there's no way for me to get out there. But listeners, that doesn't mean you shouldn't go. You need to go because <laughs> I want to hear about how awesome it is. Yeah, true drive-in. I mean, I know you do the the drive-in kind of sort of movie on the lawn thing at the bash, but this is a true bonafide drive-in experience with Monster Bash. How amazing is that going to be? Yeah, and I, I, I forget how 
big the screen is, but it's 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 pretty big, and it's it's just gonna be great to be open air monster bash with games and events and and movies at night. Any monsters running around the parking lot between cars between movies? We are working on that. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, there's you know there's there's things in the works with uh, having monsters uh, walk among us. Oh, I like that. Ron, is there anything else about the Monster Bash we haven't covered yet that you want to make sure listeners know about? Well, let's start in 1997. No, okay. I'm kidding. All right. No, I appreciate you uh, everything you do, Derek. And and I'd like to say to people that uh, that don't see me or hear me on a lot of the things that you do, I would love to be to be more involved. But to be, and this is totally true, uh, because I do what I love for a job, I have to do it like all the time. And I was telling Derek before we started this recording, that the only time I really have to enjoy movies is Saturday nights. I mean, I am, you know, I'm involved in monster movies and working it every day, uh, like 14 hours a day. And I I would love to be more, more involved in a lot of the fan uh, blogs and video and you know online stuff, but I am just I'm so busy doing creating stuff with Creepy Classic and Monster Bash. I wish I could be more involved, and uh, my heart is with everybody uh, all the time for all the fun that's being had on the internet. Well, I mean, you're you're a big part of the community, Ron, and uh, I I know that you say that it's it's you just focus the thing, but. Really, without you, there's no bash, man. And uh, I, I got to thank you for bringing the bash into my life in the way that you have and allowed Monster Kid Radio to be part of the bash family. So thank you, sir. Well, well that's nice of you to say. And, and what means the most to me, and it, it happens almost every single bash, and it really means a lot, it means more than anything, is when someone will come up to me and said. Uh, you just made my childhood come back. You know, you just made my weekend. This is this is my this is the best thing that's happened to me all year. Things like that. I mean, that makes me feel real like it, it's all worth it. All the, the blood, sweat, and tears are worth it. When somebody comes up and just you know is almost in tears, saying how, how what a great time they had. And I, I'm glad we can provide that. And it's not just me. It's all the orange shirts you see at, at every bash too. So we all we all the orange. Orange shirt, monster bash army. We, they, yeah, they're great. they're all my family and friends, and they they do such a great job helping it all happen. So thank you. And I will make this commitment to you, Ron. And I'm going to let the listeners know as well. It's on the show, so it's you know hold me to it. I will be at the summer bash in 2022. If if all goes well and we're allowed to have the big hotel bash, I will be there. And if you're not, we're sending skeleton nags to be knocking on your door late at night. As long as he's coming to pick me up to take me to the airport to get to the bash, then that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, Derek. I appreciate it. Really do. Monster Kid Radio rocks. Okay, well, that's a great place to end. I'm gonna I'm gonna take that out and just play that bit over and over and over again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Well, that brings us to the end of the show. And once again, I want to thank Ron Adams for being part of this week's episode and for working with me to come on to the show. I'm going to peel the curtain back again. 
I actually made a mistake. You know, that whole, I'm going to stay up super late one night while he goes into work early in the morning. Yeah. I was supposed to call him Monday night, my time, Tuesday morning, his time. And I blew it. And I woke up to a text message from him asking me if we were going to do the interview and then congratulating me on actually getting some extra sleep that night. So, uh, Ron, thank you so much for being understanding and patient with me here at Monster Kid Radio. Uh, A couple of things I want to clarify or, or just kind of give you some more information about. The book by Jerry Goodwin is called Full Moon Curse. This book actually takes place at a Monster Bash convention. Now, look up Full Moon Curse. It's by Jerry Goodwin, but the author's name is G.M. Goodwin. Of course, it will be a link in the show notes for you to pick up your own copy over at Amazon. And then I did a little bit more research and found out the Scooby-Doo comic book that Ron was talking about. Now, the name of the story is A Wolf in Creep's Clothing. And like he said, he was turned into a woman for this particular uh, story. In this story, he's referred to as Ronette Adams, and he appears in the comic, uh, in the story, pretty predominantly. I mean, he's part of the main story. This 12-page story was written by John Rosam and is in Scooby-Doo number 92, published by DC Comics in January of 2005. And according to my research, it has been reprinted a couple of times in Scooby-Doo Where Are You? number 46, and Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? number 48 in 2014. Uh, Also appearing in the comic book with Ronette Adams is uh, Terry Beatty, who is uh, an artist, a comic book artist who worked on Scooby-Doo and a number of other things. But he was also responsible for designing the logo for Scary Monsters magazine. The other person appearing in this comic, inspired by Scary Monsters magazine, is a character by the name of Dennis Took Tennis, who is obviously inspired by Dennis Drectennis, who is the original publisher of Scary Monsters magazine as well. There's also a reference to Patricia Millicent. So Millicent, you know, Gilman stuff, you know, there's a Tim Savine. I'm betting that's Tom Savini. Just, you know, it's really cool. Uh, I need to check out this comic and track it down. Now, the story takes place at Monster mix instead of monster bash but still it's really cool so i want to check this comic book out if anybody's got access to a scooby-doo number 92 from january 2005 let me know i'd love to read it so again thank you ron for doing this also mark awesome Ultraman, man we are into Ultraman. i'm gonna miss talking about or hearing you talk about ultra q but we're into the real Ultraverse at this point, the beginning of a franchise of an empire that is still going strong today happened with Ultraman episode number one. So cool. Kenny, thank you for taking the reins with this look at famous monsters of film land and kind of skewing it toward the drive-in side of things since Monster Bash is going drive-in. And then of course, Atomic Tales episode number two. So cool to have that in the mix as well. Now, there will be links to everything that I've talked about in this episode of Monster Kid Radio, as well as a link that'll get you to Monster Bash. Go to creepyclassics.com to check out their store or monsterbashnews.com to be kept up to date about all things happening. Monster Bash, the upcoming Monster Bash Under the Stars is going to be talked about there. You're going to find links to everything you need, okay? Just as long as you tell them you heard about them here on Monster Kid Radio, click away. Check out everything Monster Bash is up to. 
Also at our website at monsterkidradio.net, you're going to find links to everything that we've got going on here. You're going to find links to our Twitter page, our Facebook page, our Facebook group, our Discord. You'll also find some information about Gary Khan and what the Monster Kid Movie Club is doing with Gary Khan this year. This is the third time we've coordinated with Gary Khan. Now, a lot of you guys and gals know that when I'm not talking about classic monster movies and playing with my classic monster movie toys and watching my monster movie movies, whatever, that didn't make any sense, but I'm going to leave that in. I'm also a gamer and Gary Khan is a really cool gaming convention that takes place in Wisconsin. And because of the pandemic, they've gone virtual, which means I get to participate and we are teaming up with them this Saturday. We are showing at least 10 hours of classic monster movies curated specifically for the Gary Khan audience with the Monster Kid Movie Club. Don't worry. It's classic monster movies. Come on by. It's free. Go to twitch.tv slash monsterkidradio or monsterkidmovie.club and check us out. It's starting at noon Central Time. This is a little bit earlier than we normally start. And we're going to be going a little bit later. And we're going to be going a little bit later than we normally end. We will have a giveaway courtesy of Kenny. He's hooking us up this time. We've got intros and outros from me and Stephen D. Sullivan. We've got a lot of fun. Also, I'm going to be announcing a brand new Kickstarter project that I'm launching. If you're a gamer, if you're into that Dungeons and Dragons, well, you're going to want to pay attention to that. At least I think you're going to want to check it out. So that's coming up. Uh, there's going to be links to the Rondo Awards page. You know, there's just a lot going on. And it's all going to be at monsterkidradio.net. What's coming up next week here on the show? Well, I was digging through my hard drive the other day. I was looking for one file for something. And I stumbled across a folder for something else that I had actually even kind of forgotten about. You guys and gals remember Mark Bailey, right? Mark Bailey is a longtime friend of the show. He is an illustrator. He is an animator. He is also the man behind the New York City giant monster attack map, which you can find over at foxtrotstudios.net. You can also find a number of his animations and cartoons. He is an award-winning animator. Well, you know what? A while back, we recorded an episode talking about Plan 9 from Outer Space. Now, I know we've talked about Plan 9 from Outer Space a few times here on the show. I also did that whole Plan 9 by 9 podcast with Scott Morris a while back. Well, I think this conversation with Mark was recorded and was intended for the Plan 9 by 9 podcast, but I've been sitting on it for over a year, if not longer. So next week, me. Mark Bailey and Ed Wood. We're going to talk about Plan 9 from Outer Space. And honestly, I don't remember what else we talked about. It's been that long. So that's coming up next week here on the show. Make sure you come back for that. You can also find all of our contact information on our website. If you want to get a hold of us, well, Monsters in the Machine. Let them know how to do it. You can call and leave a voicemail for Monster Kid Radio at 503-810-5MKR. That's 503 810 5657. Or you can send an email to the podcast. Monsterkidradio at gmail.com is the email address. That's monsterkidradio at gmail.com. Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. Of course, that does not apply to the song mod Monster Mania. That is copyright 2021. 
Girl Over Planet. You can find it on their album, Intergalactic Cowboys and Space Wind Surfers, which you can pick up at girloverplanetsurf.bandcamp.com. You can pick up their entire digital album for $10. There's 12 songs on there with titles like Intergalactic Funky Cowboys, Rockin' Pants, and Rolling with the Creeps. Check them out. Let them know that Monster Kid Radio sent you. My name is Derek M. Cook. I'll talk to everybody next week. Ciao. <laughs>